Welcome to Take a Wonder with Shebs, the show that features some of the biggest travel bloggers, TV and radio personalities and journalists from all around the world. Each show aims to take my guest on a wonder and uncover topics that may not be discussed on their platforms or in the media, whether that's the state of travel blogging and journalism as it is today, or whether there's enough diversity within the industry. Perhaps what impact technology and social media have had on content creation, or in general the impact of current affairs on the industry. I also try and find out the journey behind each individual's success, as this is more important to me than the actual travel. This episode aired on my YouTube channel on the 21st of December 2020, and I spoke to Sujetha Ruwal. One of my big talking points with Sujetha was how she became a successful entrepreneur. Thank you very much for being here, Sujetha. I really appreciate your time. How are you? I'm doing great, Chefs. Nice to see you. Good to see you too. And uh, how have you been? It's a bit of a crazy year. How's uh, things with you? Definitely. It started on a very high note. I was in Antarctica in January and uh, went to Spain to celebrate my birthday in Fab. And that's when the whole world came closing down. Um, the rest of the year was a disaster in terms of no more travel and not much work. But uh, I am healthy, I am strong, and I'm sure we will all get through past this. You, you said you were in Antarctica. That's quite an extraordinary place to go. What took you there? I did a story on uh, Quark Expeditions, uh, one of the adventure trips to Antarctica. Um, and we actually flew into. Antarctica, as opposed to going on a ship the entire way. Um, it did take about a couple of weeks to get in on the flight, just because the weather and all. Uh, also, my seventh continent, that was a big goal for me to conquer all the continents. Yeah, I think I've, I've read your, um, you want to do every country in the world, every continent in the world, um, and inspire obviously other people to do the exact same thing um so when you do do the travel actually um is there i know you've got a goal to do all the country but is there anything specifically that you look for when you go i feel that every part of the world is very unique and you cannot really just pick and choose a few places and say oh i'm just gonna see that and i have traveled the world i really like to go to the remote corners and it's not so much as the country count, it's just to show that I have been able to go to far more places than, say, people in my family have been able to. So I just look for things that are unique, places that I would have not known what their culture is like. And I always think about, do I have a preconceived notion about this place? Or do I just don't know anything about this place? That's where I really want to go. Uh, that's similar to why before I go, like there's got to be some sort of a an urge for starters, and then I, I try to look past a sort of touristy spot. For example, I went to Turkey recently. Everyone wants to go to Istanbul, and then they've said they've done Turkey. But for me, it's all about going down the entire country. It's, I always say this to people when they come to England. For example, everyone goes to London. I say don't just go to London. It, it doesn't represent the entire British society. You know, go elsewhere and, and experience a bit more of the English culture and you'll see what it's like. And then you'll get more of a feel, I, I think. And um, it sounds like you've got a, a good ethos on, on travel. 
Absolutely. And the other thing I like to do is meet the local people. So when I went to Turkey, it was with an organization. It's a nonprofit organization based out of Atlanta, where I live. And they took uh, mostly professors and some nonprofit leaders to go on this trip. And I think there was, uh, yeah, I was the only journalist. And the entire time we were having interactions with locals. We would go to their homes for dinners. We would visit schools, nonprofits, um, meet people and learn about how they live, their culture, their religious practices. And I thought, and we also did some of the sightseeing, but it just had such a deeper eye-opening experience than say if I had just gone there as a tourist by myself. Where did it all begin for you? Where did the love for travel begin for you then? So I grew up in India, in a small town in northern India, and we did not really have an opportunity to travel back then because it was expensive, it was not accessible. Um, but my grandmother was the founding father, founding member of one of the organizations which allowed for intercultural uh, peace development. So this is back in 60s when people were just starting to travel, mostly from the West going to the East. And when they would come to India, they would need a place to stay. And we would host them for free to have those conversations and um, um, start talking about making peace in the world. So think about couch surfing before the technology or Airbnb before it was a thing. And that was my window to the world as a child. I had these down with me, show their photographs, talk about where they live, what they do. I was like, this is great. I want to go visit your country someday. And it wasn't until I was 16 that I actually left India to travel abroad. Uh, but it's been history since then. I'm almost uh, at my 100th country now. It's actually quite uh, fascinating to hear that your grandmother was probably one of the first to pioneer couch surfing, uh, couch surfing or B&B, uh, not B&B, uh, Airbnb. Um, you'd actually think like places in Asia, they, they, they welcome you in, especially places like India or mm -hmm. you know, my parents, I'm from Bangladesh. You know, if we had guests, if you had anyone come through, you happily welcome them into your house. Um, it's sort of like a cultural thing. And um, maybe that sort of um, cultural aspect has gone into things like couch surfing or homestays. Another thing I've used where, you know, you, you, you can stay with someone um so yeah maybe it's confirmation we don't know i don't know has anyone ever thought of that actually <laughs> i don't know but like you said with the culture it was very welcoming and warm because you know in, in india it wasn't just about giving them a place to stay and saying okay you know help yourself it's about treating them to a six course meal and then having conversations and taking them around including them in your family celebrations wherever you go they come with you so it it's just becomes an introduction to cultural and lifestyle not just to travel notice you said that you left the country for the first time at 16 and you actually left india itself altogether and moved to the states at 17 so what was that journey like and why did you move to the states originally well, I came uh, to U.S. when I was 16 to visit the Olympics and uh, do some touring around colleges. 
And then a year later, I got admission and I moved to uh, Atlanta. And my mom moved here as well. But I, I just knew it. I needed to go somewhere outside of India and experience life abroad, maybe travel a bit, and then perhaps come back and uh, work. In that time, I wanted to do hospitality. So I always knew I wanted to be in that hotel travel environment. Uh, but it came through a long twist of fate. Just mentioned the Olympics, the Atlanta, Atlanta Olympics. Um, so you now live in Atlanta, is that correct? Yes. Uh, have you, obviously, I assume you've been back to India. When you go back to India, do you sometimes, um, I sometimes heard from people that when they go back to the you know, country of origin, they've almost forgotten what it was like to live there. Um, does that ever happen to you when you go back to India? Not really, because I go back once or twice a year. So I'm pretty um, close to the culture. And I also take people on tours to India. So I have a nonprofit organization, which is called Go Eat, Give. And the idea is go travel, eat the local food and give back to the community. So I have a few charities in India that I support. And when I take people on these tours, then I revisit India through their eyes. And they point out things to me that I would never have thought of while I was growing up there. So, for example, the first trip, I took uh, a group and they're looking out the window in New Delhi and they're like, look, a cow, look, a goat, look, a guy brushing his teeth by the road. And for me, it was like, huh, these things always existed. It's just I was so used to them that I didn't think it was anything unusual. Well, when people pointed out to me, then I'm like, oh, you're right. We are an unusual country. <laughs> yeah, I think that's sometimes um, the beauty of a country, though, isn't it? Because you wouldn't necessarily see someone brushing their teeth outside here in, in England, for example, in, in the US. Um, so, but I think that's, that's part of travel. You know, you learn different things, different cultures, and um, hopefully you take some of that away with you and go, oh, you know, it's not abnormal seeing something like that do you get what i'm saying so it's a it's part and parcel of travel and in atlanta by the way i wanted to ask you and um, is it an indian community that you can sort of socialize with um is there an asian community there is a huge uh, indian community here um i don't necessarily feel i hang out with the indian community more than any other community just because my whole reason for being here, living here, is I want that multiculturalism. So I have friends from almost everywhere in the world live here in Atlanta. And I don't live in a predominantly anything neighborhood. Um, I cook almost a different cuisine every single day. So it was probably one of the reasons I didn't move back to India is because I love how diverse we are here. Amazing. I think that's... Uh testament to yourself because you, you don't want to sometimes when people move from different countries you know they miss their home country so they try and keep as much of it as they can but uh, it's not like you've uh, integrated really well with the american um, society which is great to hear and you mentioned by the way the, the go eat give i was going to ask you about some of your work um so go eat give is one of them and you've also explained what it's what it's about uh, but you've also got your writing and you've got your kids book as well so just explain to explain to me a little bit about about that sure so go eat give uh, was founded in 2011 
as a nonprofit organization with a mission to raise cultural awareness through food and travel. And it's kind of what I just told you, being um, Asian or being anybody, you kind of get stuck in that in your own demographic profile. And uh, the idea with Go Eat Give is to learn about your neighbors, to learn about how to travel sustainably when you leave your country, and to really indulge in the local cuisine, meet local people, and also volunteer. Um, it, I don't think a lot of people think about volunteering um, when they're traveling, unless they're doing a gap year or a Peace Corps or a long-term project. But I involve something um, giving back in every single trip, even if it's for a week long. You mentioned you take quite a lot of people with you. Um, are these people that travel anyway, or are these people um, that never traveled? Or well, Shabs, uh, they come from all walks of life. So what happened is when I started Goeet Give as a blog, a lot of my readers were writing into me and saying that you're having such a different kind of experience when you travel to such and so place. And I have been, there were people who have been to hundreds of places. I have one flight attendant who has been to 150 countries. She's been to India 10 times. And she decided to come with me to India because the kind of experience that she had on my trip was so different than all her past experiences. So my readers would say, could you help us organize a trip like yours? Or could you take us along with you or take donations to the charities that you're supporting? So that's why I started doing the trips. And I don't go on every single one of them. We have tour guides and leaders who lead other trips and it can be um, tailored to whether you want to go alone or with a small group. But the idea is that you really understand the local culture when you're there. And you also do some sort of charitable work. People who don't know, we were on the panel the other day for Travel Unity, and uh, we were talking about uh, the power of inclusive storytelling. So your story, the prime example of the flight attendant, you know, 150 countries went to India 10 times, um, saw something different from your blog. And uh, that is the power of, of, of influencing someone. Um, and I know people who didn't watch um, the panel, I will provide a link on the description so you can watch the whole, whole um, discussion again. But I'll just ask a couple of questions that I asked you on, on the, on the um, so maybe you can elaborate. So do you see yourself as someone that is going to be role model sort of individual inspiring others to do exactly the same as you come you know leave their country um, go to a place like Atlanta and then start their own business you know is that what you like to see yourself as uh, or do you see yourself as someone that's just living life and then if people see me for what I am fair enough never had an intention of uh, being a role model or inspiring people to do something that they don't want to what I do see myself as, as someone who's working towards a broader mission of building peace and awareness, and whether it's by just being friendly towards your neighbor or participating in a different festival that you may not observe the religion of, or when you do travel anywhere where it's to a resort in Mexico or to go internationally to England, 
you just take the time out to be a more sustainable and informed traveler and make better choices of where you stay, where you're going to go eat. Maybe you don't just go to the same American fast food restaurants that you would normally go back home or you um, not judge people for being different, but understand them and realize that we have different ways of looking at the world, but deep down we are all the same. So that's part the broader mission, which I'm doing through my writing, through books, through speaking, whatever it is that people want to see me as, just if they can take that message back home. I didn't get time to elaborate on why I asked that question. So I see myself as, um, you know what it's like. So the Asian community doesn't really doesn't really see traveling as a job really or you can make a career out of it so sometimes I still have to fight family members here to say well this is what I'm doing why I'm doing it and they're like well is it secure (laughs) so you always get that question you always get that doubt so many years ago you know 10 20 years ago there probably would have been people like myself trying to do this and then they probably would have been knocked down constantly so they tried knocking on the door uh, I think quite open it. So I think my generation now has opened the door. So if I can show people that you know you can you know make a career or as you've proven you can do, um, it will help the you know generations coming forward because it'd be so much more easier because that door is open, wide open. They can walk through it, and then mm-hmm. it will, this is where I was trying to also I didn't get the chance to say, but. So this is where it will allow more, and people were saying, why isn't there as much um, diversity within the industry? This will probably help because you'd have more people coming through. And and this is another thing as well I didn't get a chance to elaborate on. So don't expect, you know, um, companies or publications to give you – everything because you know you might be asian or you might be hispanic or whatever you still have to work for it so and the other thing i also wanted to make a point was that it's not necessarily to say right okay caucasians out the way you've had your chance i i believe working together is really really important so if you don't work together then they will come go back and say if, if they don't start getting jobs if those types of people don't start getting jobs they're going to go well, hang on a second they've only got it because there's now a quota system i never want to come across where someone says to me well you got it because of the quota system um so it's about working together doing the hard work not expecting something to be given to you i think i still think that work ethic has to be there and if you can if i can prove that i can do this then uh, in England, by the way, being called a role model is something that a lot of industries, work industry, schools always mention. Mm-hmm. So that that's what I thought. think. Anyway. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on what I've just said. Yeah, totally. And one of the reasons I started writing my children's book series called Beato Goes To was because kids, I didn't have that opportunity when I was a kid to read travel books and see other children in those books, identifiable characters or characters they did not know about, such as a girl who lives in Greenland or a boy who lives in Indonesia. And there's really no other way that they can see these characters unless they have traveled or have a big enough network to. So I want those kids to read the books and say, 
hey, I want to be a travel writer or I want to go to those countries when I grow up and I want to do the same things that Beato the Cat did when he went to Japan. So that way, you know, we can start that uh, inspiration early on. You've got five five of those books out. And it's actually really amazing because when I was growing up, um, you know, there wasn't many travel kids travel book around so uh to have a book like that is actually really really uh, important for for kids and do you go to schools with it and stuff and try and get curriculums to to, to read read to kids with them absolutely so like you i didn't have any travel storybooks either growing up and there was so limited what you could find um, mostly written by western authors so I do go to schools, I speak virtually as well, go to libraries, and whenever I'm traveling, I also reach out to local schools and say, hey, you know, I'm in the area, so I'd love to stop by. And when these kids see somebody who is, first of all, she's Asian, she lives in the United States, and then she's writing about Japan or Brazil, they're a little bit confused, but then they're like, wow, if you know somebody like her can do it, maybe I can do it too. And the world is much smaller than, say, my neighborhood or my city. And it's uh, really exciting to see these kids, you know, when I talk to them in person, which hasn't been possible recently. Um, And they're like, oh, my God, it's real. All these pictures are of real people and real cat and real I show them like where I was and then where the illustrations are it's just mind-boggling to them so some of the books that you've had uh, where are the some where are the I mean you just mentioned Japan was it Brazil you said another one where what's the other places Greenland Israel Indonesia Brazil and Japan so what what made you choose those first then um was it is it because you've been to those places Yes, I've been to a lot of places, but those are the places where I had met kids who left a very long-lasting impression on me. So these are all true stories of actual kids I met, photographs I've taken, and they also touch upon different themes that I wanted to share with kids. So Japan is about respecting your elders, your teachers, and your society. Brazil is about sports and being outdoors, and they have invented so many different kinds of sports and having fun. Israel is about religious diversity and how people in Israel uh, live in harmony for the most part, despite thousands of years of history. And uh, Indonesia is about protecting our endangered animals and their habitats. And Greenland is about life in the Arctic and uh, the melting, um, the climate change. Basically. So the, the, I get the sense the character is you really, but morphed into, obviously. <laughs> eh? So it's actually really, really good to actually tell the story from your perspective, but obviously in a fictional kind of way in some respects. But um, it's actually really, really interesting, fascinating, actually. So, um, Thank you. But I'm really glad it's, it's done really well. And um, have you got plans for more books? I assume you do. I do. I was supposed to release uh, South Africa this year, but because of the pandemic, I'm going to uh, postpone it till next year when we can do events in person. Uh, plus, I was going to go to South Africa again to do some more research. 
amazing. I can't wait to for it to come out. And uh, my niece isn't. Um, she's about four, three, three, I think. So, um, and she loves that I travel. She always says, you know, she wants to go. Um, in Asian cultures, Chacha is like uncle. Mm-hmm. So uh, she was like, "Oh, Chacha has gone away," and uh, so. I'll, I'll buy it for her, so I can't wait. You've also done a lot of writing for um, uh, big publications. So how did that all come about? I started by writing uh, restaurant reviews in Atlanta. That was my first job, which was meant to be a hobby, because as you suggest, said that uh, we don't really, in South Asian culture, think writing is a job. So I had my full-time finance uh, investment job during the day, and then I would write for restaurants in the evenings and weekends. And it was a great way for me to try out new food and uh, do something on the side just for fun. Uh, But as that began to grow, then uh, other magazines started asking me to write food articles. And uh, speaking of diversity, a lot of uh, publications kind of pigeonhole you towards writing about Asian food because they think that's what you know best, which I do know a lot about Asian food, but I know equally about other cuisines now. But so, yeah, I was writing for some Indian um, um, recipes and food. Then I started writing for other magazines and travel and started my blog. So it kind of grew uh, organically. And over a few years, it came to a point where I stopped doing my day job and went into writing full time. So this is, again, what I was trying to make the point of. Uh, you've really worked hard, you know, seven days a week, you know, the work ethic you've put into it. And uh, publications, you know, organizations recognized your hard work. So, um this this is what is required rather than you think you should be owed something so i really admi- i admire hard work anyway when i see someone that's gone through the you know their graft because my granddad was like that when he moved to england in the 60s you know no one gave him anything you know, he had to work for it so i think that's instilled within within myself but i can see that it's it, it's there for you as well so um but the other thing I was going to ask you about your writing, obviously you do a lot of travel writing, and obviously you've not been able to travel this year as much. And uh, one of the companies that you do write for is CNN, and they've not done any travel publications uh, for a while. So, um, But you have traveled since the pandemic. Uh, so what's that been like for you, you know, in terms of have you found it easy, safe? What, what's your thoughts on it? So I've been mainly traveling domestically in the United States. Uh, since the pandemic and I have found that it's been pretty good because some of the places that I were on my list to go to like the national parks I did not make it there because they're always so crowded during the summer you cannot uh, drive your back-to-back traffic uh, inside the parks and now it was a breeze I went to Yellowstone Glacier National Park Rocky Mountain National Park, and um, they have limited capacities on how many cars are let in. Sometimes you have to make reservations in advance on what time you want to come inside the park. And uh, because not a lot of people are traveling right now, because a lot of even the facilities inside the parks are shut, closed, you can move around much more easily. 
but that also means that you have to realize, you know, not all the restaurants are going to be open. So you pack your lunch for the day. Um, just count on not being um, in public areas for a long time. You go do some hikes by yourself. Uh, can't take a boat ride. Uh, can't have a guided expedition. So if you set your expectations, I think this is the best time to explore nature, uh, especially here in the U.S. And I've done about 10 trips. Um, and these are places I wanted to go, but I never also had time. Uh, I was constantly running around internationally. Most of my work was international. So now I can really explore America. So it's been really good. As long as you're responsible, then there shouldn't be a problem, I, I, I think. And you've got to follow your heart as well. So if, if you know in your heart that, you know, what you're doing isn't going to be compromising their situations for people's lives, I guess, uh, then why not do it, you see? So, I mean, I, I, I mentioned before that I went to Turkey, you know, and came back recently, literally a week or so ago. So it's... Um, I mean, I did the COVID test as well. No, no, I didn't get the COVID, but I made sure everything I did uh, wasn't going to put anyone else at risk. And I wanted to, uh, the reason why I also went was to start trying to tell the travel industry that you can travel safely and um, still be responsible. But also, another thing as well is so when I went to Turkey, I found out that, and it's probably the same everywhere, I've spoken to friends around the world, you know. It's a it's a big domino effect where you don't go traveling, other tourists that go, then jobs start to go for people, mm -hmm. livelihoods. Um, we're I'm, we're very lucky here in the UK. There's something called they've got the furlough scheme where the government's paying out for people's wages and stuff. But you don't get that in India. You don't get that in Peru. You don't get that in. I've got friends down there and they're really struggling. So if we can slowly, if we've restarted. You know, integrating things back here in the UK, I assume it's similar in the US. I, obviously, I don't live there. Um, if we're doing that at a slow pace, why should travel be excluded? You know, planes, they were so clean, unbelievably clean. You could eat in the, you know, the restrooms in airports. That's how clean it is. You know, they're making, they're taking measures to protect, um, you know, the public. So, why should someone then say, don't go travel? You know, um, I mean, I've had people say to me, selfish individual you are, you know, spreading the virus and stuff. So it, it's comments like that. And you think to yourself, well, are you being really narrow-minded yourself? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I always take every precaution I can. And uh, I make different choices traveling than I would before. You know, everything with wearing a mask all the time, especially in public areas, choosing an airline where, you know, the middle seat is going to be empty or the two seats next to you are going to be empty, even if you have to pay a little bit more. Um, I choose to play, stay in places that are much smaller, typically cabins or B&Bs or boutique hotels, um, calling them ahead of time and asking them what precautions they are taking. Uh, also with restaurants, either I sit outside or do a to-go order. But to your point with economy, it's not just this, um, Asia's and Africa's of the world. Think about uh, New York City. 
I think there were what 16 million people who uh, claimed for food vouchers in New York last week, and so you're it's it's one of the most advanced. Yeah, same, same here as well. Like the food banks here in the UK are being overcrowded with people because right. you know, it's not it's not good people's jobs, I guess. Uh, I think that. There's a couple of industries that I know here in the UK, like the events industry has been completely neglected. I don't want to go into the political side of things, but um, it's been neglected. So a lot of people have lost their jobs and stuff. So um, it's it's a massive effect all around, you see. So it's not just, oh, don't go traveling because it's not safe. Well, you've got to think about people's lives at the end of the day. You think you know, it's been heavily Im- impacted um, I mean, hopefully it's just short-term and not, not long-term. Um, that's the way I guess we can look at it. But, um, I, I mean, I didn't know about the New York situation. 16 million, that's a lot of people to go for food batches anyway. So um, mm-hmm. let's just hope it's not a sustained period of time anyway. How, how do you sort of get away from all your work and stuff? Um, is there anything that you do to, to, to relax yourself um, apart from the travel? Well, the good thing is that my work is fun. So it never feels like work, but uh, I love to cook and a lot of my travels inspire my cooking as well. I would recreate things that I would have tried in other places. I always bring back some recipes and spices or ingredients that can only be found there. And uh, that's how I've been keeping myself busy for the most part during the last few months. Have you done anything um, unusual during lockdown? Um, any new new hobbies or anything? New hobbies? Um, you haven't started no. playing chess or anything with people? <laughs> no, I used to play a lot of chess growing up, but uh, I've been going doing a lot of hiking. And uh, just around Atlanta, I did not know there were so many hiking spots. So every weekend, we, my husband and I pack up for the day and we go and explore a different uh, park or hiking area. And a lot of times we are the only ones there because nobody knows about these hidden gems. Actually, that's, that's the funny thing because similar to here where I live, um, I've done so much now walking to places where I've never walked to and you don't realize what's on your doorstep, which is the thing. Um, I mean, I, I, I do... Um, one of the things I always do is UK trips throughout the year. I've not obviously done as much this year. Um, obviously, it's funny because now it's become staycation and it wasn't really known as staycation. Mm-hmm. It's become a thing now. But um, there's certain things on your doorstep that you've already got that you don't you neglect. And you're like, I've got a beach here. And I before the lockdown, I, I never, ever went to it. You know, <laughs> So now, every day that I walk down and sort of like, admire the view and stuff you know prior to that I just didn't bother you know I was because I was always moving around but mainly abroad as well so it's just it's just nice that you you know you've got stuff now on your doorstep um but any what would you, would you have any other would you have a memorable place then that you visited uh, that always that you want to go back and back and back I know you said you go to India quite a lot every single year but is there any other place apart from India that you go back to I've been a dozen times to Italy I just love it what's what's Italy got then just the food, the food, the culture, the people, the sites, the history, all of it. Um, so same thing with Indonesia. Um, I generally take a tour to Bali, uh, where we work with a project called Bali Children's Project. And it helps kids who are normally not able to afford to go to school. You'll see, be seeing them selling souvenirs or asking for money on the streets. And we enroll them in school programs. 
So again, going back to it is the traveler dollars that are invested in helping those kids in need. And now with not having the travel money coming in, it's very difficult. But I had plans to explore more of uh, Africa this year um, for my book, um, Beata Goes to South Africa, and then also going to some of the other neighboring countries. So hopefully that's what I'll be able to do once the world opens up again. Actually, Africa was a place I was going to go to this year myself. I was meant to go to Uganda, Rwanda, Kenya, um, and you mentioned Indonesia as well later on. Actually, ne- this next month coming up, uh, my plan was to do Indonesia, Philippines, Burma, or, you, or Myanmar. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know, Asia's not going to happen, Africa's not going to happen for me, but there are still a couple of places that I know within Europe you can still go to, but um, I try to, it's funny because there's certain places I try to avoid at this current moment or that when I travel. Um, Europe is one of them because Europe, like England or Scotland or Wales, when you go to any places in Europe, it's very similar sort of feel. I know there's different cultures in certain places, so I always try to go outside. Uh, and also my mentality is the older I get, I'm probably not going to want to travel as far. Um, so try and do as much as possible further out and then come inwards. So Europe is so close by. And um, actually, I actually uh, before I let you go, there's one question I want to ask you because I asked this to someone else the other day. Um, I know obviously you, you're from India, but you, you live here and you love living in Atlanta. Because uh, I always get asked, where would you like to live, uh, you know, uh, outside of England or would you move? I always say to people, I, I would never want to move in, move from England because I do love living in England. And I, I love calling it my home. There's loads of people that always think travel is all about leaving their country and never going back. I've never had that sort of feeling. I've always like, oh, I want to go back to my country because I love this country. Um, have you? Is that something that, is it, do you love going back home? I do. I love going back and exploring other parts of India that I had not visited before. And I, another reason I love it is because I speak the language, but now I can see the country through a different lens. So I appreciate it more when I'm traveling within India. Um, so I, I, I can get along with people and I could speak to them yet I'm still a traveler coming from the outside. So I'm more open to discovering new things. And every visit I uh, do to India, I always book a one week trip, which is away from my family. And it is to another part of India that I'd never been to before. What about when you, do you always look back, uh, look forward to going back to Atlanta as well? I do. Yeah. Atlanta is my home and uh, it is a, place where I come to rejuvenate and see my friends and relax. Um, I am a homebody in that way because I love to cook and clean and just be in my garden and uh, do have nothing to do. When I'm here, sometimes I don't go to any events. I just sit at home and write. Uh, so it gives me that peace of mind and the calmness to actually do my work too. Sometimes when you're on the road, you're always so overwhelmed with everything going on. You can't really sit down and do your work. Um, listen, Suchita, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate the time. It's flown by the time, so uh, I can talk to you all night. Uh, but uh, just before you go, um, where can people find you? The best place to find me would be on my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, which is all my names, Suchita Ravel. 
one word. But if you're specifically interested in learning about the books, that's Beato Goes To. And they are available worldwide on Amazon or um, even indie bookstores. And then for my nonprofit and my blog, it's called Go Eat Give. Brilliant. Well, I appreciate your time. and Thank you very much for coming on. A pleasure. Thanks, Shebs. You can follow my guests on all of their social media platforms. The details are in the description. That's it for Take a Wonder with Shebs. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms. Until next time, bye for now.